something new here at the Tulsa World this week. Uh, it is another podcast, and this is still Gary Nemec, a world sports columnist. But uh, this, I guess, is not so much the Oklahoma, the world's best Oklahoma State podcast as uh, the world's best Bedlam podcast this week. Mark Cooper, as usual, is alongside talking about the Oklahoma State Cowboys, but we have a very special guest in studio this week. He's no stranger to podcasts. He's just too he, he's too busy to show his face here in the home office is the problem. I think we've we've been trying to get him on the show for weeks and he finally uh, relented. It's pr- probably more difficult to get Eric Bailey in this room than it is to get Barry Sanders <laughs> to come to homecoming. <laughs> he dropped his asking price. It's funny, you guys, the buildup to my appearance was just big. They, people probably think they're getting a big name. They got me. So. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's great to be here. I will say that. We're talking Sooners as well. This week, Eric Bailey is the uh, crack beat writer. He's been covering OU for a while now, and will be with uh, Mark and, and me and Bill Haston at Owen Field on Saturday for a 2.30 kickoff. It's another edition of Bedlam. We were hoping, honestly, for a little bit more sizzle this year to the stake, but uh, the Cowboys have sort of gotten in the way. Uh, and, Mark, I guess we'll start, as we usually do, with, uh, with what just occurred. Uh, any hopes of building off the win over Texas uh, shot down by the Baylor Bears and some uh, some of OSU's own ineptitude. Yeah, you and I were both in, in Waco for that last Saturday, and it really was truly a game that Oklahoma State had you know 10 chances to put away Baylor and just kind of shot itself in the foot every single time between penalties and, and play calls and special teams mistakes and giving up a 75-yard touchdown run. It was a game that Oklahoma State you know really should have won. And, and kind of let it go in the, that final quarter. And, uh, you know, a lot of attention on that, that fourth and two call that Taylor Cornelius rolls out. And, and the goal is to get to Jelani Woods uh, on a drive where Justice Hill only touched the ball one time, and, and he was sort of a decoy on that final play. Uh, but I think that game was sort of the, the story of this season, right? And that mm-hmm. it's, as Jim Knowles put it, he put he said two steps forward, one and a half back. I, I tend to think maybe it's even one step forward, one and a half back. Yeah. This team, you know, has has regressed from where they were in September, uh, and and just once again, yeah. I mean, I I don't know that. Uh, I thought Oklahoma State would win that game. I thought maybe they'd turn the corner against Texas. But now, in hindsight, you look at it and say, this has been the same OSU team all year long, and and they've really only played two complete games, and and they happen to be two games that they were underdogs, and it was a national and televised game against a ranked team. Big deal. Uh, every other week of the season, Oklahoma State really just hasn't played well, hasn't coached well, and yeah. uh, you know has done things that we haven't seen them do in, in years. Well, you mentioned the complete game against Texas. I'll say this, and I think this is where the pessimism sets in if you're an OSU fan this week. The defense against Texas, it was really just hang on and, and get to zeros on the clock. Uh, as we, we walked away from that game that night and left the stadium, we, we sort of we're talking as if 10, 10 more minutes in Texas. Ellinger's right. Sam Ellinger, when he, when he said, we're going to win this game, they probably would have won this game. And, and that's the, to me, that's the, the pronounced regression, really, Absolutely. since the start of Big 12 play is on defense. And if you've got a regressing defense, you got problems when you're playing Oklahoma's offense. Yeah, it seems to me, uh, you know, Jim Knowles' defense has struggled any time they've had to deal with tempo. The, the game that they played really well against Boise State Boise State wasn't moving the ball very fast, so there was a lot of time for OSU to make adjustments and and make different calls and sub guys in and out. But every single week in Big Twelve play, it's it's been a struggle for them. And uh, I I kind of crunched some of the numbers on their defense this year. Basically, in every single category, they're a little bit worse or a lot worse than they were a year ago. Uh, a lot of the the yardage numbers, it's just a little bit worse. Uh, the run defense is a little bit worse. They don't force nearly as many turnovers as they did a year mm-hmm. ago, and that's all 
without facing the top two defenses in this conference, or offenses rather, in Oklahoma and West Virginia? You know, how are those numbers going to look two weeks from now when they've gone through OU and, and West Virginia? And uh, that's sort of a scary thought because I don't know that you've seen a whole lot that, that makes you optimistic that this defense under Jim Knowles is going to turn in 2019, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there were a lot of... Uh, reasons when you talk to Jim Knowles to believe that that he was a smart guy who could figure a lot of these things out but it's just been you know one week after another and uh he kind of seemed like a beaten a beaten man at the end of the Baylor game and and talking to him after that game he just didn't seem like he had many answers and uh you know maybe a large part of it is they don't have the players on this year's roster you know that's the one thing we don't know maybe it's just the fact they just don't have the players and and they need to develop some of their younger guys and and recruit better going forward but uh, at the same time it's you know, year one of Jim Knowles as defensive coordinator is a month away from coming to a close, and I don't think that you feel very good about where it's going beyond 2018. I don't think Mike Gundy had a whole lot of answers either. When he spoke Monday at his weekly press conference, uh, the penalties and the mistakes came up repeatedly. It wasn't so much the missed fourth down play as much as what are you doing committing 12 or 13 penalties, and uh, he launched into uh, equating it to asking his kids to do things for years around the household out on the farm there in Stillwater and yeah. not doing it. So that was an interesting way yeah. to go. But Take I'm, out the trash. I'm not sure anyone felt, yeah, I'm not sure any of his fans felt any better about, well, you got an idea how to fix it. I know what's going on, but how do you fix it? And Mike seemed to give off the impression of, I don't I don't know any more than you do. Yeah, and, and you know, he mentioned, you know, I guess the only thing you can do is raise the penalty is basically what he sort of said. And, and yeah. if you, you know, kind of commit some more, uh, late hits or, or penalties that are you know sort of out of character. I mean, I, I think some of the, some of the face masks, you know, a guy ducks his head. You can excuse certain ones, but the late hits, the unsportsmanlike conducts. He said, you know, maybe you bench those guys when mm-hmm. when that happens. But uh, he also acknowledged if you bench those guys, you're hurting the entire team because right. you're putting somebody else in who is less experienced, less talented, less prepared to be out there. And so it's not really a solution to getting better. It's just a solution to make a point about penalties. And uh, I don't I don't really know that they're going to find one, especially. You know, we're going to get into this this matchup with OU. This is this is a horrible matchup for a team that yeah. that's defense is reeling right now mm-hmm. and and that isn't forcing turnovers. Uh, they aren't getting to the quarterback the way they were early on in the season. Uh, you know, their their run defense lagged a little bit against Baylor, gave up some big plays, and so uh, I don't know how how you go about getting better on defense given given what you got in front of you this week. Mark and I went and uh, watched. So, uh, the OU Tech game after because uh, we, we were both in Waco for OSU Baylor the game ended uh, early enough for us to finish our riding and get to a place to watch both OU Tech and Alabama LSU Eric you covered the uh, as you typically do the, the Sooners uh, Tech game in Lubbock give us a sense not just of, of how Oklahoma played that night but just where this team is is, is this does this feel like a team that is gathering momentum toward not just uh, finishing the Big 12 right but uh, but cracking into the, uh, the the 14 playoff well I really think that they played well on Saturday in spar- in parts I mean they had some mistakes that put them behind the eight ball a little bit early but this program the last three years including this year they tend to play their best football in November and that's what we're seeing right now uh, they're playing they, they win games they find ways to win games and you know they had a close game with OSU last year in November and I think they expect something like that again I think they for whatever reason Lincoln Riley gets them playing that well way and they're playing with confidence and number six in the college football playoff poll last night uh, they know if they take care of business they'll definitely be in the conversation 
for one of those final four spots again. So, but it, it, you have to take it one week at a time. I'm sorry, that sounds so cliche, but you have to take it one week at a time. And this football team does that. They understand they have to get by Oklahoma State. They know understand they have to get by Kansas before they can get to that big game with West Virginia. And uh, that appears where their focus is right now. There's obvious there are obvious issues with OSU's defense that we just talked about. Some familiar looking issues crop back up in Lubbock. Saturday night, and and the, and the narrative coming out of that game was they got a they got a heck of a break, and the fact that Alan Bowman got hurt, and if he doesn't get hurt, perhaps uh, that game is right down to the very it was almost down to the last possession anyhow, but it certainly would have been you thought if, if Bowman hadn't missed uh, the second half of that game. So what's the consternation level you think uh, in Norman about uh, the defense taking a step back Saturday? You know, a lot of people probably thought that Oklahoma's defense had made a turn after those first two games in the post-Mike Stoops era, but you got to remember, they were playing TCU, they were playing Kansas State, which are two teams that really aren't that well offensively. And So Texas Tech was definitely a litmus test for this program, and I think uh, you can almost say two steps forward, one step back. I know what you just said a second ago. It's almost how Oklahoma's defense was. They took two steps forward with those first two games. They took a little step back with this last Texas Tech game. The good news is they found a way to win that game, and they can kind of reset their thoughts. And, you know, uh, Ruffin McNeil even took some uh, blame, too, saying, I could have called that game better. Uh, and I think he's still getting a feel for this defense. He, he wants to understand when is, you know, he talked about bringing pressure more and, and kind of pulling back. I think that's what he's trying to figure out about his team. Granted, Oklahoma was without two starters in the, the back end. They were without Brendan Radley Hiles, and they were without Khalil Houghton on Saturday, and I think that kind of played a little bit into this too. But overall, they're getting better, but it, it comes down to fundamentals too. We, we've seen the issues with the tackling all season long. In the Tech game, there were, there were some missed tackles again. Ruffin McNeil alluded to nine explosive plays allowed, and he understands it. We got a chance to talk to him last night. He understands Oklahoma State's offense with their ability of, for making explosive plays. That's a concern. Uh, they, they don't want to give up too many big plays, especially against a team like Oklahoma State. Once they get a couple of them, that confidence builds while Oklahoma's confidence down mm -hmm. defense fall, fades a little bit too. So uh, it, it's a concern. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see this matchup between Oklahoma State's offense and OU's defense. Don't you both think OSU will score? Saturday. I yeah. don't know. If, I don't know if they'll score enough to win, but don't you? But these these people who are going, it's going to be seventy to three. The, on, the only way. No. The only way I think Oklahoma State doesn't score is if the the coaching staff gets in the way, the way that they did against Kansas State or, or Texas Tech or some of these other games. I think uh, you go back and look at last year's game. Justice Hill carried the ball thirty times for two hundred and twenty eight yards, and that's how Oklahoma State's going to be able to stay in this game. I think is. This has to be a Justice Hill gets 30 touches sort of game, and, and he's coming off a day where he only had 20 at 18 carries against Baylor and, and had 119 yards, and uh, you know Oklahoma State might have won that game if they gave him the ball 25 times because the way he was running it. Uh, I, I think as long as OSU plays to its strengths the way it has only a couple times this season, and uh, you know lets Cornelius get in a little bit of a rhythm by running the ball, uh, get you know, get the ball to Tylen Wallace and, and, and really just sort of focus on those guys, play play two running backs, get Chuba Hubbard out there and use some misdirections between Hubbard and Hill. I don't think they're going to have a problem scoring points, but uh, in the back of my mind, I wonder, okay, you know, given that every other week we've seen Oklahoma State do something, you know, that, that really isn't what they should be doing, uh, are, are they going to get in their way at some point and, and, you know, hit a dry spell? You talk about the run game, too. Oklahoma, they've only allowed one 100-yard rusher all season. That was in the Army game. They allowed one 102 yards to Kelvin Hopkins. And that's the only 100-yard rusher. They've played against the run well. 
Uh, curious to see if they can get some early success. Oklahoma State with Justice Hill to open up the play action. I think that's the big key with Oklahoma. If you keep them off balance defensively, uh, you really see that's when OU struggles the most. And I think if they can, oh, if you can establish Justice Hill, I think that'll be a big key in Saturday's game. Uh, that being said, OU does cover the run pretty well this season. I'd forgotten. I, I just blogged about Hill this morning. I, I had totally forgotten because we got so caught up in the Mayfield Cornelia, Mayfield uh, Rudolph yeah. fireworks display. That was a record. I, I'd forgotten that he broke Barry uh, Sanders' record for uh, rushing in a Bedlam game. And it's it's that's his career. That's the best game he's had in an Oklahoma State uniform. And uh, he was he was really good against him in Norman two years ago too. This has been a game, and this maybe this leads into sort of his his little Instagram post and, and yeah. kind of gamesmanship this week, but. Uh, even talking to him after their practice yesterday, uh, I know that there there's certainly a lot of guys from Texas on both sides who who kind of get acclimated to the rivalry after they've been here. Taylor Cornelius said he really didn't know anything about it until 2014 when he was a freshman. Uh, Justice Hill is is fired up about this game, and, and I think you can kind of see it in the way he's played the last two years. It's funny you mentioned Cornelius not understanding it until 2014. We talked to Curtis Bolton, who is one of Oklahoma's top uh, tacklers this season, and he said the same thing. It wasn't until 2014, and then he he said the punt game that he realized how big this game was. Isn't it weird that the uh, the, the theatrics that have that have come from the two camps? Kyler Murray, who's who's not exactly Mr. Soundbite, uh, didn't want to. When someone asked him a basic question about OSU's defense, wanted no response. Got around to uh, he volunteered that OSU recruited him once. Mispronounced Mike Yersich's name, Yelich. Yelich, which I didn't, you know. Okay, I mean, I if, if that, no no harm, no foul there. Right. I don't think. But uh, then my follow up: well, What you know, did you like him when he was when he recruited you? I, I don't like Stillwater, or I, I don't. It's, it was you know made a sh- took what was perceived to be a shot at Stillwater, and here you get Justice Hill throwing up the Instagram post that, that disparaged supposedly Trey Norwood and Robert Barnes on on uh, on social media. I'm not sure I would have had Justice Hill in the who from OSU was going to get Oklahoma riled up hot <laughs> yeah. this week. Is it, so isn't that interesting? It is interesting. Uh, but I guess you could say, given that Oklahoma State's lost the last three years in this rivalry and, and two of those three games weren't very competitive, if, if anybody else on this roster except for Justice Hill did something like that on Instagram, wouldn't, wouldn't you kind of raise your eyebrows? He's kind of the only guy who's got that sort of clout in this rivalry. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because he's, I mean, maybe... Maybe there's a couple other guys, but but he's really uh he's about the only guy who who's proven uh you know what he can do. Tylen Wallace hasn't played in this rivalry yet. Taylor Cornelius hasn't either. You know it's funny because um, we get to talk to the defensive players at Oklahoma every Tuesday. So we were all talking in the the, the red room or the team room before they came in about the Instagram post, and we were wondering what do you, how do you think they'll address this? And of course Robert Barnes was one of the guys that came in yesterday. So we had a chance to ask him, well, what did you think about it? And, he kind of, you know, well, we'll do our talking on the field. He, you know, he said he Justice is a great running back, and he said that's all I'll say. He said we'll just do our talking on the field. And uh, Trey Norwood said that who he was tagged in that, so he said social media being what it was, he was constantly reminded about that too. So this it'll definitely be in the in the minds of these players and. Uh, kind of curious if that just feeds some extra motivation. I mean, I, I, like you said, Justice has had the better end of this defense over the past couple of years, so I wonder about that. And it, it's interesting, too, because we think of Mayfield. Remember Baker Mayfield his last few years of Bedlam? He wore the back-to-back the shirt, the yeah. shirt, yeah. the back-to-back shirts and, and uh, you know, the, the handle, the mustache, the Fu mm-hmm. Manchu mustache. That's I mean, right. he made this a big game. So uh, just curious. It seems like every, every week we get these guys, it, it, you know, even though it's a 20-point game right now to yeah. 20 point favorites there's always some intrigue there's always some storylines hearing this one yeah yeah the, the spread is the same as it was in 2014 now 19 and a half but at least that 
I don't remember any of this going into the 2014 game. I, I think you know people kind of wrote OSU off maybe even more in that game than they did in this one. And so at least there's at least Justice Hill is like you said. This game hasn't had a whole lot of sizzle leading into it. I, maybe Justice Hill kind of contributed to to adding a little bit to it. Well, 2014. Uh, you kind of got the feel of the Cowboys are just playing out the string, and with Rudolph being as young as he was, and with without the the proven weaponry around him, and, I, the, and, and with Mike Gundy sort of being as as kind of curmudgeon-y he, and, yeah, and miserable he, as he seemed, he as seemed opposed to this week, he kind of disengaged. This week, you couldn't tell whether they were five and four or seven and two going into this game. The way he he kind of acted on Monday, so yeah, uh, you know that, that maybe that just sort of makes you feel a little bit better about where OSU is right now. I just yeah, I but Mark, the, four years ago. Uh, I just, just I wouldn't have put, placed any bets on OSU scoring over 30, let alone 40. Mm-hmm. This year, even despite all of the Cowboys' inconsistencies and the, the criticism of the offensive line and Taylor Cornelius, they can still score 40. Uh, I, I, I think if they just play well, they can. I think they can hit 40. I just think Here, it's going to take yeah, much more than 50. Here's the issue. Uh, aside from both being baseball players, I don't think Cody Thomas and, and Kyler Murray have anything in common when it comes to, go, <laughs> to right. being on the football field. And, and so uh, you and I were, jo- we were all joking about this before we started recording, but all right, say, say I set the over-under at two and a half punts for, for Oklahoma. Are you, are you taking the over or the under? Well, it was one and a half before we broadcast. That was doing that. You moved it up. There was an agreement. (laughs) Yeah. You guys. Um, Golly, you know, one and a half, I had the over. Two and a half, I, you know, I think two is a good number right now. The way Oklahoma, if they get on a roll, especially at home, that's when we see them playing their best football. I mean, they had nine straight scores a couple weeks ago uh, against uh, K-State, I think. I mean, they just just get get on a run. And and if they can do that... uh, it can be a blowout. So. I wish you had a very good defensive half against Texas, then faded in the second half, as we said. But Baylor punted three times in that game, and and you know they had a couple red zone miscues that saved them from scoring forty plus. When OSU lost to Texas Tech in September, Texas Tech punted twice the entire game. So I tend to I, I tend to think if if it's, if the over under is two and a half, I think I would take the under on, on the amount of OU punts. Well, the other thing that's discouraging, I think, from an Oklahoma State perspective, is uh, Murray goes out and throws two picks. Something's mm-hmm. never done uh, to start the game last Saturday. Spots uh, the Red Raiders 14 points, and they still turn around and score 51. I don't think I, I caught a little grief for this because I, I went on the, the franchise Monday with uh, Dylan and Todd and and sort of criticized Oklahoma's offense. This after Trey Sermon does what he did, the offensive mm-hmm. line blocks the way it did. And you know, just to throw this out, I saw Bill Haston put this out earlier. The the other thing that we kind of don't remember about the last three years is, is he's he wrote OSU OU has 968 rushing yards combined in yeah. those last three games so they're averaging 320 a game yeah. against OSU yeah and but but the thing is even when Sermon or Brooks or, whoever, or Murray whoever is responsible for the rushing output and they got the ground game going um even despite all that there was still seemed to be something a little bit off with and, and Eric can speak to this better than I can because he was there but there seemed to be something just watching off of that offense last week and it wasn't just Murray's two picks they had they tech forced three punts in the third quarter when it looked like it was an opportunity for the Sooners to, to put that game on ice what I'm saying is you, you take a team that maybe doesn't even reach a, a B minus level of, of offense uh like Oklahoma, I'm not sure reached on Saturday night, and they still scored 51 points. And if you score 51 points on on anyone, but but who, you're, you're probably going to win the game. And that's against yeah. a Tech defense that, that I think we all agree is better than Oklahoma State's right now. Yeah, uh, going back to the punt, two two things. First, going back to the punt, Oklahoma, going backwards, three punts, four punts, one punt, three punts, three punts, 
zero punts, two punts, three, uh, four punts, two punts. So they haven't kicked punted more than four times in a game. They've only reached four once. So, so, so two and a half is two a, and a half is a, is a good number. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> um, and yeah, third. That, that was probably the most frustrating thing for Lincoln Riley was the third quarter at Texas Tech because you have them on the ropes. Your defense is finally playing well. Of course, granted there was a quarterback change, but the defense was getting stops and the offense couldn't find ways to get in the end zone. Of course, and you know their deepest journey into the red zone was the C.D. Lamb play when he got the ball at the seven and got two 30-yard penalties mm-hmm. and they were forced to punt on that. So I think that's one thing Lincoln Riley said over the past couple of games. It's just putting teams away, knowing that you have your foot on their throat and you just can't finish the job. He was upset against Kansas State when they got a ball, the ball within two minutes of the, before halftime and it was already 31-7. to seven. They had to kick a field goal. He wanted a touchdown. And Lincoln Riley was visibly angry that they didn't make it 38-7. to I mean, this man's already up 24 points. He mm-hmm. wanted more. So I think that's one thing that he's focusing on. I mean, it's not just scoring a lot of points. It's taking advantage of opportunities for touchdowns and really ending games and forcing some separation. I mean, that was that game when it's a blowout. They never could get separations against Army. And he, he talks about that a lot, too, because that was the overtime game. So... Third quarter, I mean, that was the, the, the quarter where they could have made life easier for themselves they didn't. You, you mentioned, Garen, the, the Murray interceptions the last game, and it's interesting because I think for, for OSU to win this game, I wrote about it today, is they're going to have to force some of those turnovers. Uh, I went back and, and was looking at the 2014 game, and, and obviously Tyree Kill's punt was the, the big play in that game, but uh, in the middle of third quarter, if Samaj P. Ryan doesn't fum- lose a fumble, OU is 27 yards away from going up 35 to 14, and, and that game might be over in the third quarter. And that, that fumble really kind of kept OSU alive. This is an OSU defense that only has 10 forced turnovers in nine games and only five interceptions. And uh, so, I mean, they've got to they've got to do some things that are out of the ordinary for them, I think, to stay in this game because if they don't force a couple turnovers, we just talked about the punts. I don't know how how they can really stay in it. Speaking of which, out of the ordinary offense, Cornelius. Beginning is he first snap, last snap, or does, do we any gut sense as my, to whether my, my gut sense is barring injury or just kind of a complete disaster like multiple interceptions that sort of deal. I think Cornelius is is going to carry it on the whole game. I think Mike Gundy kind of talked about it on his radio show on on Monday night, and really, uh, if you take what he said on Monday night. They're they're not going to play any other quarterbacks against Oklahoma, and and I don't necessarily expect them to. I don't know uh, what I don't think Drew Brown's the type of quarterback you have a special package for. I don't think he's a dynamic runner or anything like that, and so uh, he's probably too similar to Cornelius to really do any of that. It's not like a Mason Rudolph, J.W. Walsh situation, and so I think they're going to continue to lean on Cornelius Gundy. Uh, I think maybe hopes that that what he showed against Texas is is more where he's at than than Baylor and and maybe the wind affected them too much and uh, I think like like we said at the start I think a big part of it is can you kind of play to Cornelius's strengths or to use Gundy's words can you keep Cornelius in his box and and kind of you know let him get out of it and uh, hope that he puts the ball in Tylen Wallace's hands enough that that Wallace can make some big plays. You know if you don't mind I was going to go back to turnovers you talk about the lack of toner turnovers forced by Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's even worse at it. They've only forced seven turnovers all season, uh, you know, and they've only had multiple turnovers gained once, and that was the Army game when Army had, was throwing the ball for whatever reasons. So I, I just think 
that's something that if Oklahoma State can have ball security. Oklahoma doesn't force many turnovers. That's something that they're hoping they can change starting with the Oklahoma State game, but you just haven't really seen it. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma, they only have, I think, you know, five interceptions. And they only had eight all last year. So it's become a chronic problem for the Sooners. It's funny. Defensively, these teams are somewhat similar. And uh, discipline-wise, they're somewhat similar. They're both coming off awful penalty games. And so, uh, really, the difference is Kyler Murray and and Taylor Cornelius, I guess, is is how you separate these two teams. You know, it's been fun watching Kyler play this year. It really has been because he's just such a special athlete. And, you know, he threw those two interceptions. Entering the game Saturday, he only threw three all season. And then he throws two in his first uh, four passes. So, But he was able to regroup. And I think that was the thing that was interesting to watch him, how he handled adversity. It was the first time they, they were down 14 nothing, And he was calm. And he stayed out there and finished the job. And that, that's been the key. Quarterback play has been so important to Oklahoma this year. Uh, these are, you think of, Kyler Murray and you think of Baker Mayfield, these are generational type quarterbacks. And uh, Oklahoma, you know, you have to take advantage of that. And that's why anything less than, you know, getting back to the college football playoff would be a disappointment. It would be a big disappointment. So they're about to play well starting Saturday to to reach their goal. All right. Let me me ask you this, Garen, um, because I think everybody's picking Oklahoma. Oklahoma State wins if what? Uh, they do force. I mean, it's going to take more than two. That's what Tech forced, uh, and and that was right out of the gate when you when you thought that they were building something u- unique. Um, you you got to probably force those two, and then two more, and then maybe one or two more. Um, I because I don't think you're going to. You you, might, you had fun with the over under number on the punts total for Oklahoma, but that that's you don't you don't beat Oklahoma. You don't beat this offense by forcing punts. You you force turnovers, and you hope that that you force them into mistakes that they don't don't normally make. You remember OU's one loss to Texas, the Longhorns forced Murray into two mistakes. OU still almost overcame them. They did overcome them in Lubbock. Uh, you've got you've to force more than two is what I'm saying because I don't, it's going to take more than two, I think, for Oklahoma State to overcome, uh, to even use those to, to win the game outright on Saturday. Um, I, I, and I like to think that you know, a kid like someone like Hill, who was such a big force in this game a year ago, could make a difference. But I... There's only so much he can do, you know. I mean, there's only so much of a of a. There's such a disparity uh, between the offensive lines, between the quarterbacks. Really, to be honest, this year between the play calling. A year ago, we went into something else. A year ago, we went into this game wondering about the matchup at, uh, among coaches because this was Lincoln Riley's first bedlam, and we know that Mike Gundy had a miserable record against Bob Stoops. Well, maybe things might be a little bit different against Riley, and it's not that Gundy coached a poor game. He didn't. He didn't go into a shell a year ago. They scored what fifty-two points. Right. But Riley was just better, and I kind of think Riley is just going to be better against just about any opposing coach when it comes to especially play calling that he comes up against. And so you have another advantage. I think you can put in Oklahoma's box, not just at QB, not just on the O line, uh, but really I think at coaching. And that's something I'm not sure any of us could, could could go so far as to say a year ago because we just didn't know about Lincoln Riley. Here's here's just a fun aside that. Won't, won't really matter on Saturday, but I just had to double check and make sure that that what I was looking up was right. So, uh, 2014 was Kyler Murray's senior year at Allen, and they played a playoff game and they they won it 25 to 22 against Desoto. Uh, but Murray was I think only seven of 23 passing that day, and he threw an interception to uh, a kid on Desoto named AJ Green. 
Is that right? So AJ Green does have have one <laughs> does have an interception against Kyler Murray coming to this game. I'm sure uh, he could probably look back at that clip Good to stuff. sort of fuel his confidence. Um, so maybe there's maybe there's a little bit of history there that Green hopes to take advantage of. Well, Green needs a better game than the one. Yes. That he, he had a, he had what you might call a uh, disastrous uh, game against uh, Baylor last week. That poor kid was. Uh, I was hope. If you, if, if you told me that Baylor was going to win the game on a touchdown pass in the last you know six, seven seconds, I would have said, okay. Then I would have said, let's let's hope that it doesn't come at the expense of poor A.J. Green. And that's just because of the game he had at <laughs> that point. And, and sure yeah. enough. Yeah. And sure enough. Um, what do you guys, I mean, you, you asked me, what do you, do you two have any sense as to how the Cowboys not just uh, you know beat the 20-point the spread, but, but give us a reason to be on the edge of our seats in the fourth quarter? Uh, I think you just look at the history of this game. I mean, teams play their best at this. I really expect a really good game from Oklahoma State. Uh, with Oklahoma, it's just like we talked about taking advantage of their opportunities offensively, um, taking care of the football. Running the football is a big thing, too. They ran for 323, 322, and 323 the last three games. And, you know, they're learning how to play without Rodney Anderson, and that that's important. Um, but I, and, and avoiding the explosive plays, I, I think Oklahoma State's going to hit Oklahoma for some. They just can't get unlimited explosive plays. That's what kills Oklahoma all the time. And, uh, you know, if I'm Mike Gundy, I'm just aggressive. I'm, if I'm Mike Yersich, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the, the kitchen sink at Oklahoma. Make them make plays. And uh, I think if that's the case, it could be a close game going into the fourth quarter. I think Justice Hill needs the ball 30 times for them to have a chance because I think it, that would mean that they're keeping OU's offense off the field a little bit and, and he's probably having some success running the ball. I think OSU's offense needs to play a turnover-free game, which they've done two weeks in a row. Uh, but in some of their losses earlier this year, they had a couple, you know, kind of killer turnovers. Cornelius has eight interceptions this season. Uh, and I think the third thing that they need is either a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown a la Tyree Kill. Maybe uh, if Austin Seibert can't get a touchback on one of the kickoffs, Shuba Hubbard has a chance to break one. I don't, I don't think OSU has really much of a chance of returning a punt for a touchdown just based on what we've seen this year. But maybe Chuba Hubbard gets a chance and, and breaks one and, and changes the game. So... Those, those are maybe three things that OSU has to do. How about a fake field goal touchdown? That worked well for Oklahoma, remembering that game in Stillwater in 2013. Well, we know OSU has a fake punt because they were going to use it against Texas. And so they've still got it, and I, they just have – maybe this is a game where they decide to try to pull it out, you know, given given how how much they really sort of struggled to punt the ball. Uh, you know, maybe maybe yeah. they try to break one out here. What's uh, – before we, before we wrap up here – Let's all the way go across and give a uh, score prediction. What do you got? I'll uh, I'll say it's going to be uh, it's actually going to resemble last year's game more than people expect. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be quite as close, but I I see uh, something like fifty eight to thirty seven, something of that magnitude. I, I again I think the Cowboys will hit some plays. I think Hill if he gets thirty carries, I'm not sure he's going to go for over two hundred, but I think he's he's going to do some damage. And uh, there's also the chance that it's also the chance that OU jumps out by you know 30 points and and sort of as they did against Tech too often last week in Lubbock uh, lets the foot off the gas a little bit. But I, I see a lot of points. Uh, it's just not nearly enough for OSU to uh, to contend in the fourth quarter. It's funny. Uh, that's three touchdown. That's a three touchdown margin. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was thinking 52, 31. Uh, 21 points, just like Garen. Uh, I think it's going to be one of those games where I think Oklahoma's going to be in control all afternoon, and the only reason it's three touchdowns is because they kind of break away late. I think they're going to keep be able to keep Oklahoma State at arm's length. 
and then maybe put together a couple, string together a couple touchdowns late. Uh, I think the run game, that's going to be the key. They're going to be able to run the ball. And Kyler Murray, uh, they've had 300 yards rushing and 300 yards passing the last two games. So they're, they're able to play balance and get a lot of yards. I think that's probably going to be the case again on Saturday. And I'll, uh, I'll be the one to take the, the 19 and a half. I'll go OU 55 38. Basically, pretty similar. I, th- I think OSU could, you know, stay within seven points and, and go back and forth with them for three quarters. But I, at, at some point, I think uh, OU is going to get one more stop than OSU does and, and kind of break the game away. I don't, I don't think we've seen Oklahoma State's offense operate at a high enough level to believe that they can kind of go up and down the field with OU the way they did a year ago. I just think uh, at, at some point they're going to punt, turn over something because, you know, that's, that's the difference. Just like these, that loss to Baylor or, or say the loss to Iowa State earlier this year, I, I kind of look at those games and I say that's the difference between having Mason Rudolph at quarterback and, and Cornelius. I think you know, staying, staying close to the final five minutes of the game as they did a year ago versus fading in late in the third quarter or something like that I think is the difference between the two quarterbacks. I'll give you two players real quick before we get out of here. I'll give you two players <laughs> that, uh, that no one's talking about this week that I think will, will emerge and, and have big games for, for Oklahoma. I think it's Kennedy Brooks. I think everyone is excited about Sermon and for obvious reasons. He just had the best game of his career in Lubbock. But Brooks is too good a back to, to not come off the, the shelf. And I, and I think that I think that Riley doesn't just use Sermon, assuming they get out to a pretty sizable lead. I think he uses Brooks as much as Sermon to protect it. And for OSU, uh, I kind of like Ty Johnson, who they threw to quite a bit last week in Waco. Mm-hmm. They didn't throw, well, they did throw deep to him, but it wasn't a day for deep balls. Right. Everyone assumes that Tylen Wallace is a guy that the Sooners are going to have to really play well against out on the perimeter. I, I kind of think that Johnson is going to get loose and, and make a couple of big catches. He did have Saturday. two touchdowns in last year's so. Yeah, yeah. I think for Oklahoma, the one player you need to watch is Marquise Brown. He's a guy that hasn't been healthy. Lincoln Riley says he's probably going to be 100% for the first time in weeks against Saturday. And you think about these big plays, think about D.D. Westbrook, you think about uh, Brown last year, just how they make big plays, big catches against the Cowboys. And I think Marquise Brown is going to have to be a big part of this offense for you to have a lot of success. We're good. All right. Uh, Mark Cooper, Eric Bailey. Uh, the two guys with me in studio, Bill Haston, going to be on the scene, John Shin, Michael Peters. Uh, all of us are going to be in Norman for the 2.30 kickoff. It's Bedlam Sooners and Cowboys. We want to thank you for uh, reading our stories in the run-up to the game, our blogs, our, uh, watching our videos, reading our social media posts. And uh, certainly we want to thank you for listening to uh, the World's Best Bedlam Podcast, the BH Media Production, Gary and the Tall Sports Sports Asking you to enjoy the game. And have a good